All right. How about that bass drop? Insane. All right. How you guys doing? Thanks, Joey, for the encouragement. All right. It is. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. I. I honestly feel like it's been forever since I've been up here speaking, and really, it feels like forever since I've been at Soma. Because I had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as you guys know, a lot has changed in my life since I was last here. Uh, a lot's the same. Obviously, I'm still working here. I'm not like fired. Well, why would they fire me? Because I had a baby. Uh, I'm not like, I didn't quit my job because I'm busy. Um, still doing school, still teaching, still trying to write as much as I can and doing conferences and all that sort of stuff. A lot is the same. There's still a lot on my plate. But then two things have changed since I was last here. Um, the first thing is that I got into a, actually two PhD programs in theology. <clears throat> um, yeah, you guys are going to be able to call me Dr. Waz soon. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, the first one is in St. Andrews in Scotland. Honestly, like the best school, um, probably the top school. And then at Fuller uh, here in Pasadena, both got in full ride, um, which is such a huge blessing. But I decided I'm staying here, um, going to Fuller, not going to Scotland. Um, Loch Ness Monster will miss me. But the second and most important thing um, is that my wife and I just welcomed a new member into the Wozniacki family. Yes. And her name is... Her name is Shiloh Grace. So there's one Shiloh. And there's another one. Yeah, there she is. Uh, She is absolutely the best. And... um, yeah, I love her so much already, and Joey's already crying. Joey's crying. Um, it's absolutely crazy um, having a baby. Late night feedings, doctors and upon doctors upon doctors appointments, and then just diapers. So many diapers, um, and that's what's on my plate right now. And you're probably thinking you've just heard these two big changes, and then all the million things that I've got going on. How the heck am I going to have time to do all this stuff? I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know. I'm going to have to figure out how to manage my time. Uh, But I know I'm not the only one who has like a million things on their plate, right? Like I bet most of you are crazy busy. Most of you have a hard time managing your time at times probably. So in a sense, you're in a similar spot as I am. Um, So tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about managing our time. We're going to talk about time management. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we just, um, I just thank you, Lord, just for giving me the opportunity uh, to be back here speaking. Lord, I pray that you'd be with me, God, that uh, my words would be filled um, with your spirit, God, that you would speak directly to our hearts tonight, God, that you would uh, expose areas of our hearts um, that need to be touched by you, God, that you would expose areas of our lives um, that we need to submit to you. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you guys are new, uh, visiting for the first time. My name is Chris Wozniki, and I'm on staff here. You can call me Woz. And tonight we're kicking off a brand new series called Life 101. It's basically about everything that you need to know 
Well, not everything. A lot of things that you need to know about surviving life during the college years. So the fact is, like, whether you're in school or whether you're working, the college years are tough, right? Because there's a million things that you need to do, right? And there's a million things that you want to do. And getting that stuff done is actually really hard. Because one, there's not enough time. Two, there's not enough money, right? Am I right? Right. And last of all, you have, probably have no clue what you want to do with the rest of your life. Am I right with that? Probably. All right. So have you ever been just like overwhelmed by the possibilities that are ahead of you? Yeah, that's, that's called the, the 20s, right? And I'm, I'm still in them. I still got a few years left. Um, and I still feel that way. Now, the Bible, it doesn't say a lot about the college years, about the 20s. Um, but it does give us some important principles which can actually help us out. Um, so this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be drawing some of those principles um, to help you survive during this time of life. We're going to talk about money. We're talking about careers. talking about relationships. We're talking about our bodies. Um, and today we start with one of the hardest ones, time management. So if you wanted to look at what the Bible had to say about time management, where would you go? Would you go to like one of Paul's letters? Would you go to some Old Testament story? Would you maybe look uh, at some parable that Jesus told? There's not a lot, right? There's not like a passage that's specifically about how to manage your time. But there are a bunch of little proverbs, sayings, little gold nuggets here and there scattered throughout the Bible that help us make sense of that stuff. For instance, one really good one is Psalm 90, 12. Psalm 90.12, and it says, it's up on your screen if you don't have your Bible. It says, um, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now that's Moses. He's basically saying, we have a limited number of days. God, I need the wisdom to make the most out of them. The other really good passage that you've probably heard quite a bit, um, it actually comes out of Ephesians 5. Uh, 15 to 16. And in this short passage, what we find is Paul, he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to believers uh, in Ephesus, and basically what he's doing in this short passage is he's calling them to live out their identity, right? To live out who they are as God's beloved children. So how do they live out this identity? He gives them two things. First off, he tells them to live a life of love towards others. Why is that? Because God their father is love. The second thing that he says to them is avoid the darkness. Like if you're walking in darkness and living in darkness, that's not actually living out your identity. So he says, live a life of love, avoid the darkness. Now in the middle of all of this, he starts to get practical how to do those two things. And one of the things he says is about time. In verse 15, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. <clears throat> now, I really like how two different paraphrases uh, put this verse. So the first one is the Phillips translation. And it says, Live life then with a, sense, with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time, despite all the difficulties of these days. Don't be vague but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God. The message also translates this really well. Um, The message says, Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, 
the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. Right? And I love that. He, the, both, both translations say, don't waste your time on useless junk. Useless junk, those things, there's a sham version of real life. They're just distractions from doing the will of God in your life. Basically what Paul is saying is you have a meaning, you have a purpose as a child of God, so don't waste your life. Make the most of it. So what do these two passages have in common? They both carry the theme of stewarding, of managing, of making the most of. They say invest your time into things that actually matter. Now when the Bible says these things, basically that's the same sort of language that it uses to talk about money. Paul says, don't waste it. Make the most of it, right? And this is a pretty obvious question. Who would rather waste their money than make more money? Anybody here would rather waste money than make money? No, nobody, right? I got confused. I thought you guys were supposed to raise your hand. No, nobody wants to waste their money, right? Um, Losing money sucks, right? Because you don't have an infinite supply of it. I remember uh, one time I lost a $100 bill. That was like the worst day of my life. Um, and I still am trying to find it. You know, um, I, it might turn up somewhere. A few years ago, this is not part of the, really the message, but I lost an iPod. Um, I thought I dropped it out of my car. This was maybe like four years ago. And um, while I was in Liberia, I gave my car to my mom, not Liberia, in, in Uganda over Christmas. I gave my car to my mom, uh, and she took it to go get it washed. Uh, which was really nice of her, and they found my iPod, which had been in that car for four years. It was just crazy. Um, so I'm hoping that $100 bill will turn up. Anyway, so, right, so, like, when it comes to money, you try to be smart about it, right? Like, you look for deals. You don't waste them uh, on, like, stupid-ass-seen-on-TV products that don't work, right? Maybe some of you do. Um, there are some really bad products. For instance... This thing up here. Okay, so you might not know what that is, but that's basically a little fishbowl inside of a stuffed animal. Um, try to imagine like going to sleep with that thing, cuddling with that thing. Um, it's a really bad idea, right? Real thing. Okay, this next one, I don't even get... This is like a fashion thing for little girls, which hopefully my girl doesn't want that. Okay, look. It's stamps for your head. Hot stamps. You can probably get that at like pick and save or something. Um, Anyway, so when it comes to like spending your money, you don't waste it on stupid junk like that, right? You probably look around for deals, how to make the most out of your money. Uh, When you go out, you probably eat from the dollar menu if possible or... um, if you go to a restaurant, you probably leave a terrible tip, or maybe you're just one of those people that don't eat at a restaurant, you just order waters. Um, you know who you are, and the waiters absolutely hate you. Um, but, but the point is, like, when it comes to money, people try to manage it as well as they can. All right, for example, uh, last, like two weeks ago, I got my tax returns, which was really nice. Um, and my instinct says, okay, we have, I, I have a lot of money now um, that actually I earned, so I'm not really getting that money. It's not free money. I earned that. Anyway, so l- let's eat out. 
Let's go shopping. Let's buy some books. But my wife says, no, you have a baby, right? We need to save. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, we need to make the most of this. So we divided it, put some into savings, got some house stuff, um, had some extra money left over for fun stuff. Um, and that extra, like, fun money, like, I was so, I mean, I don't have it anymore. I already spent it. I was so <laughs> careful about where I was spending that money. I, uh, I, I got some new running shoes, and I went to, like, five stores to find the cheapest version of it. And I looked online, too, but they're all about the same. So anyway, the sermon's not about money. It's about time. And the Bible is pretty clear. Just like money, we need to be wise about how we spend it. I like how uh, there's a professor, Don Whiteney, who, who puts it like this. He says, If people threw away their money as thoughtlessly as they throw away their time, we would think them insane. Yet time is infinitely more precious than money because money can't buy time. All right, think, if, think about it that way. If someone blew all their money on as-seen-on-TV products and candy and lottery tickets and beanie babies. Stupid things, right? <laughs> you would think that they're an absolute idiot, right? But are you any wiser with how you're spending your time than those things, right? Are you wiser than someone who spends their money on absolute junk? Are you investing your th- time into important things or into junk, Right? So the Bible tells us to manage our time wisely. But that's hard, right? We know we're supposed to do it, but it's hard. At times, it's overwhelming. So there's this thing that um, management experts, you know, people who did their MBA, business people, whatever, they call productivity porn. Um, It's not some weird thing. Uh, Here's what James Bedell of Medium Magazine says about that. He says, About seven years ago, my career took a turn from being mostly in the field hanging lights and designing projects on the fly, and being mostly behind a desk designing projects at a computer. I was right around that time that I found my way into the deep, dark recesses of a new internet addiction. I was addicted to porn. Not the naked bodies and bad lighting kind, the calendar app kind. I don't remember what blog post started it, much like the first punch that starts a riot, the inciting incident is lost in my personal history. However, what started out as occasional light reading about the best kind of pen to use for note-taking quickly gave way to much more hardcore stuff. Soon my addiction grew worse. Life hacker, bridging the nerd gap, podcast, you name it. I was immersed in it. Depending on the guru I had read that month, I was buying apps, buying notebooks and notepads and every size and quality imaginable. I was addicted to the idea of being productive, of finding a way to make it all easy. Evernote, OmniFocus, Things, Neo, Mailbox, Lyft, Flava. Flava, that's a cool one. Simple Note, Fantastical, Agent cal- Agenda Calendar, TimeWorks, Billings, Week Calendar, Free Time, A Time Logger, Action Method, New Notes, DraftPad, Toto, Voxy Pro Recorder, Dropbox, Remember the Milk. I don't know what that app is. I don't know what any of these apps are except like Dropbox and Evernote. Um, and recall have all been apps that have been on my phone at one time or another. Right? I don't even know like, what half of these things are. But here's the trap. We think that if we find that one right solution, if we can find that one right app, right, or maybe if we buy this really fancy organizer or a calendar, that our desire to manage our time is going to be fulfilled. Right? And here's the scary part. It's really easy to feel like, okay, I downloaded that app, now I'm more productive. 
right? Or I bought that calendar. Now, now I'm like smooth sailing. But you never check that thing out again. It's just like sitting on your desk at home, right? So quick fix time management is a trap. Right? There, it's a million dollar industry trap. And the fact is time management is hard and it can't be fixed with an app because time management is actually a heart issue. That's your first fill-in. Time management is a heart issue. So there are two kinds of people in this world. And there's a lot of kind of people. We'll break them up into two kinds of people. There are people who are crazy busy and those that are lazy busy. So let's talk about the crazy people, crazy people, the crazy busy people first. Um, who here can identify with being crazy busy? Raise your hand. Okay. Ronnie, tell me, why are you so busy? What is your life full of busy things? Come on, Ronnie. Smart and final. Busy with work. A lot of work. Anybody else have a list of things they're busy with? Who is like the most busy person here? Sarah. What are you busy with? Okay. Yeah, all good things. Anybody else? Somebody can top Sarah's list of busyness? Andy, all the way in the back. Planning a wedding. It's pretty busy. Yeah, so, so if you ask anyone, you go up to someone, you ask them, like, hey, how are you doing? Standard answer is pretty busy, right? Like, how many times have you ever heard anyone say, oh, no, like, how are you doing? Like, no, I'm, I'm not busy at all. Like, life is just super chill right now. Like, never, right? You'd never hear that unless you went up to some, like, six-year-old who's, like, has nothing to do or some really old person in a retirement home. Like, people are busy, right? Kevin DeYoung, uh, he's a pastor in Michigan. He, he tells this story uh, of a woman uh, who's from another culture. She basically came to the U.S., um, when she would get introduced to people, uh, they would say, oh, like, how are you doing? And they'd say, I'm busy. And then they'd go on talk about their life. So um, she figured that this was just a traditional American greeting. So she would walk around saying, like, oh, hello, I'm busy. And then, like, that's how she would introduce herself. And I don't know if that story is true, um, but I don't doubt the fact that it probably is. Um, so busyness is a problem, right? Like, everybody, most people, half of the people... Um, are busy, right? And here's why busyness is a problem. This isn't in your note sheets, but you can write it down, or you don't have to, honestly. Do whatever you want. It's your life. Um, But it would be nice if you did. So you can talk about it in life group. Anyway, so busyness is a problem. (laughs) Because busyness... I don't know why. (laughs) Okay. Um... Stacy's ruining this. Busyness can ruin our joy, okay? Busyness can ruin our joy. See, the Bible says that believers are called to live a life of joy, right? But study after study finds that people who are crazy busy lose that joy, right? When our lives are frantic and frenzied, we're prone to anxiety and just resentment and being impatient and being more irritable. In other words, when we get crazy busy, we don't, like, radiate that joy that the Lord has given us, right? Busyness can rob our joy because we're so worried about the next thing on our schedule. 
Right? The second problem with busyness is that busyness can rob our hearts. Busyness can rob our hearts. Uh, Jesus tells this parable of the seed and the sowers, and, and in that parable, Jesus names the things that rob our hearts from the Lord. And one of those things is the cares of the world. Right? It's the worries of life. You haven't turned in your taxes. Got a few weeks left for that. Not even. Um, you're behind on your school assignments. Your mom wants you to help you clean the backyard. Right? You have a college transfer application due. Right? Your car is breaking down. You have no time to take it to the mechanic. Right? All of these things can easily just consume our mind and just become worries and eventually just become things that consume our hearts. Right? They rob Jesus of the attention he deserves because we're so focused on all these other things that we need to do. And I'll be the first to admit that when a ton of things come my way, a ton of responsibilities come, that my relationship with Jesus is one of the easiest things to put on the back burner. Right? Busyness robs our heart from Jesus. A third thing, and this one I think is really important, is that busyness can cover up the rot in our souls, and cover up the rot in our souls. You see, it's not just that busyness can make us physically and spiritually sick, because it can, right? Busyness often signals the fact that sickness has already taken place. It's already started in our hearts. The, the presence of extreme busyness in our hearts points to a deeper problem, that we're trying to cover something up, right? Or we're trying to actively avoid the Lord, Right? Or we can't handle the stillness and just the quiet. Right? Because it's in the quiet place that we're faced with who we really are. Right? And if you're crazy busy, there's no time to stop and look deeply into your heart. And if you already know that your heart is sick or your heart's not where it's supposed to be, why would you want to stop to look at that? Right? So you'd keep yourself crazy busy. So why do people fall into that trap of busyness? It's a, it's a simple heart problem, right? Most people are, are busy and they're looking to know that they're unconditionally loved. So here's the problem. It's not believing you're unconditionally loved. That's a heart problem. Not believing you're unconditionally loved. <clears throat> There's a New York Times journalist, Tim Crater, uh, who, who writes this. He says, Busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life can't possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you're so busy, completely booked, and demand every hour of the day. Right? Notice what he's saying. Extreme busyness points to a deeper problem. Right? It can point to just people-pleasing. That that's a part of your life. Right? It can point to a restless ambition, or it can point to feelings of meaninglessness. And all of those things are actually signs that you're looking for unconditional love. Right? Why do people fill their schedules like crazy? Many times it's because you just can't say no to people. Right? Somebody asks you to do something, and you have fear of man, you want their approval, so you're not going to say no. And people are asking you for stuff all the time, and you just say yes to everything because you don't want to let people down. Right? Why do people take on more than they can handle? At times, it's to prove themselves, to prove yourself to the world, or maybe even to prove yourself to yourself that you are good enough, that you can handle all these things, that you actually are worth it. 
And that's that last one, not the people-pleasing stuff, but proving myself to myself is where I'm at a lot of the times. When I take on too many things, when I add things to my schedule that I know don't need to be added, it's because something's wrong with my own heart, right? When I'm not doing great with the Lord, my tendency is to spend a lot of time working out. You can tell, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I volunteer for new ministry opportunities. I write tons of papers, right? I volunteer to, to, to do conferences and stuff. I take on all these extra things, and they have legit excuses for them, right? Like, it's, it's good to work out. I need to serve the Lord. Like, that's a good thing, right? Um, publish or perish, that's the thing. So I'm writing and writing and writing. And why is that? Even though there, there are legit reasons why, it's because I feel like I have to prove myself, not to anybody else, but to myself, that I can do these things, that I am making something out of my life. I have what uh, Tim Crater called a restless ambition, that I haven't accomplished what I need to accomplish, and that if I accomplish these things, I'm finally going to be where I want to be, right? But that'll never happen. I'll keep running on this treadmill of adding more and more and more until I get there. So what's the solution to that problem? It's to know the gospel, right? It's to know the gospel. The gospel says that I am unconditionally loved, that I am so loved that regardless of my worthiness, that God the Father sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins, that that is how much he loved me. He loved me before I was busy. He loved me before I was productive. He loved me before I was a somebody who had a busy, important schedule, before I was worthy and deserving of love. He loved me. And until you get that truth, that he loves you unconditionally, you're going to have a hard time not taking on stuff that makes you crazy busy. Until you're secure in your identity in the Lord, busyness is going to be a problem because you're going to keep looking for identity in the things that you do. All right? Talk about the other half, people who are lazy. All right? Uh, what I'm calling the lazy, busy ones. And you'll see why in a moment. Um, you guys want to see a picture of a lazy person? Okay, it's none of you. Let's throw it up there. This is the epitome of laziness, right? I mean, it was either between that and koalas. Um, but the fact is, sloth, right, are sort of the dictionary definition of laziness. In fact, the word sloth is synonymous with lazy, right? Um, sloths are unmotivated, they're uninspiring, uh, they're just boring. Like, you would never see a superhero take on, be a sloth, Right? Um, what would a sloth superhero even do? What would they do? Nothing. They would hang. They would hang. They would hang it. They'd always hang in there. Um, you've never seen like an anamorph, if you even know what that is. Um, you've never seen like a transformer back when they were animals. You don't see that. Uh, even though giant sloths are pretty sick. You look that up. They're crazy animals. Anyway, they don't exist anymore. They're extinct. We killed them. Okay, so each year... Sloths. Apparently, each year, thousands of sloths die. I'm sure you've heard this because they think that their like arm is a tree. Somebody told me this, and they like try to like grab the tree branch, and they end up falling off because it's not really a branch. Um, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's for real, but it's too good not to believe. Um, 
So anyway, sloths are uninspiring, good for nothing, except for memes. Um, I like memes a lot. There's some good sloth memes. Um, oh. Yeah, so, so cute. Next one. Throw up the next one. I planned on procrastinating today, but I never got to it. Anybody ever feel like that? Yep. Um, so the Bible says a lot about laziness. Laziness. In fact, there's a passage um, that sounds a lot like what a sloth, sloth would do. Uh, Proverbs 26.15, and this is my own translation. Um, the lazy person puts his hand in food, but lacks motivation to put it in his mouth. That's how lazy you are. You're too lazy to even eat. All right? Something a sloth would do. So what's the heart condition behind laziness? It's a lack of motivation. It's a lack of desire. It's a lack of passion. To put it quite simply, you don't really love the things you ought to love in the way you ought to love them. Right? And if you're taking notes, it's that you are loving the wrong things. And I would add, in the wrong way. Laziness, a couple of reasons why people are lazy. Laziness can stem out from addiction. Right? You're addicted to work. You're addicted, that doesn't sound like laziness, but it can lead to laziness. You're addicted to work. You're addicted to porn. You're addicted to social media. All wrong things to love, right? Because it keeps you from doing what you ought to be doing, right? Instead, you get busy doing nothing and spending your time on worthless things. Laziness at work, how many people feel lazy at work? Laziness at work It's like the same two people raising their hand every time. (laughs) Laziness at work um, can spring out of a lack of love for your job, right? You hate your job. You don't see its purpose. You don't see its meaning, right? So what do you do? You slack your way through it, right? You just waste your time at work. You fill your work with literally nothingness, just standing around and avoiding all the work that you can on your workday. And possibly the most common version of laziness that I see is what I'm calling lazy busy, right? It's a sort of laziness that fills your life with just innocent sort of pleasures and hobbies, right? Going on day trips, spending uh, all day playing video games, hanging around at a friend's house all day. Basically, you fill your, th- your, your schedule with fun things, right, that are all good in the right timing, but you fill your schedule with all these things and you get nothing done, right? You, you fill your life with these pleasures, these hobbies, whatever they are, and you avoid the responsibilities that you know you need to actually do, right? And why do you do that? It's commonly because you're, you're looking for fulfillment in these fun, pleasurable things, right? So you hop from one thing to another and your life is, your schedule is crazy, but you get nothing done. So what's the solution to that problem? It's redirecting your love. You need to know what God loves. And that only comes when you get connected to his love. Let's take the addiction one for a second. If you have an addiction to something, a lot of times what happens is your time gets consumed by that thing and you don't get other things done. Where does love come into that? Well, if you knew what the Lord actually wanted for your life, you knew the things that the Lord was passionate about, you'd be transferring your love from that thing that you're addicted to, 
which can be a good thing or a bad thing, to what the Lord actually loves. Or how about your work? Right? You hate your job. You don't see purpose. You don't see meaning. So you just slack off at work. You're lazy at work. Well, if you knew how the Lord loved the people at your job, at your workplace, and you knew how the Lord had a plan for you in that place, you would treat that differently. Right? You would love the people there as the Lord loves them. Right? You wouldn't care about the fact that your job was maybe purposeless, meaningless, boring. You would have something to love and give you passion to be there. Right? Or the last one, filling your schedule with just nothingness. Right? If, if you knew the Lord's heart for your life and you, his purpose for you, you would pursue those things. Okay? So just sort of to, to bring all this together, if you don't address these heart issues, and I know I haven't hit on some, all of them, Right? There could be other things that, that are at the root of your busyness or your laziness. If you don't hit these things, you're going to get stuck in time management problems every single time. Right? But what, once you get those heart things right, then you can start taking those practical steps. But if you flip it around, you just try to take those steps before addressing the heart, basically what you're going to do is you're going to put a Band-Aid on a deep wound. Or put another way, you're just going to address the symptoms instead of addressing the disease. All right, so you need to get those heart things in place first before we talk about practical steps. So, that's something for you to work on. Um, tips. I'm just going to uh, wrap things up with two pretty simple tips. Um, first off is consider your calling. Consider your calling. Uh, in 1 Corinthians twelve seven, Paul tells us uh, that each one of us believers is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the sake of the common good. Each one of us, right? So there are things, there are good things that everyone is going to be doing as a believer. You need to work, right? You need to take care of your family. Possibly you need to go to school. You need to contribute to your life group. You need to pray for people. You need to share the gospel. These are all good things that everybody is going to do. They're basically things um, that aren't specific to you as an individual. They come with the whole package when you come to Jesus. But the rest of 1 Corinthians 12 gets more specific. Paul tells us that there are specific things, talents, that the Holy Spirit gives each of us to accomplish our specific callings. Right? So the first step in managing your time is to figure out what that specific calling is. Right? And it's helpful to craft some sort of statement or to have some sort of idea uh, that you can remember that keeps you focused on that thing that you know you're supposed to do in this season of your life. For instance, my own calling, my own statement, uh, which I just have in my mind, is to equip the church for the sake of mission. That is my calling. Now, when it comes, uh, when something comes my way, some opportunity, some new responsibility, if it doesn't fit that one statement, I just don't do it. It's, it's that simple. I don't do it if it doesn't fit my calling, unless the Lord specifically says, you need to do this thing, Right? That way I don't take a million things on, right? And I can focus on what's the best instead of just focusing on other good things, you know? The second tip, and it's very related, is you need to identify your priorities. Identify your priorities. So um, when we do, when I do the Spartan race, um, there's one obstacle which absolutely fills me with anger. I absolutely hate more than anything in the world. Um, and it's called the bucket carry. It is literally the worst thing ever. 
Um, there's a picture. Yes. Um, that bucket is filled with rocks. Um, basically, you, have to, you fill up this bucket with rocks, and you have to climb up this really huge hill, and then you have to go down this really huge hill uh, with it. And my strategy is to fill the bucket with bigger rocks first, and then add the smaller ones after, because uh, it's supposed to reach to a certain like height level of, of fillingness. Um, that's what Jocelyn Glay, uh, a time management uh, expert, says about time. She uses the same analogy. She says, pretend your schedule is like a bucket, right? Fill your bucket with the big stones, right? Your priorities, the things that are really important, the things that need to get done first, and then add the little stones, those extra little things that you want to do after. Because if you start with, with the little ones first, you'll run out of space for the big ones, right? But if you start with the big ones, right, then you can add the little ones later and get the big ones out of the way. So in order to figure out what your big stones are in your schedule, you, you need to identify what matters the most each day, right? And you need to identify what's just filler. Now, I just want you to think for a second, um, and if you're taking notes, um, if not, just mental notes. What are the three most important things that you need to get done this week? What are the three most important things that you need to get done this week? Right? Those are your big stones. Those are the things that need to go into your bucket that need to get checked off before you hit the little ones, right? Before you do the fun things, before you do the things that aren't actual responsibilities, okay? So I just, I hope this sort of stuff helps. Um, those are two quick tips. So what's the upshot of all of this? Um, will you be more successful? Will you be more productive? Will you be more accomplished? Probably. I mean, that probably will happen. But that's not the goal of time management, the goal of time management is not to be more successful, to be more productive, accomplished. The goal of time management is actually to be more loving. And that's exactly what Paul was saying. Make the most of your days. It comes in the section of living out your identity. Right? The goal is to be more loving. Because you see, love doesn't just happen. You need to make time for that. You see, God designed all of us to have an impact on this world. Right? He's planned out ahead of time the things and, and opportunities and works that we would end up doing. He crafted this world, um, as it says in Ephesians 10, um, so you can, he's prepared good works ahead of you, ahead of time for you to do. Right? He wants you to make a maximum impact for the kingdom. But the fact is that one of the biggest barriers to actually being effective for the Lord is a lack of time. Right? How many times have you thought, like, oh, okay, like, I wish I could serve in this area. I just don't have time. Or I have homework that I haven't gotten done. Right? That's a time management thing. If you were able to do that, you would have time to do that. Or if you thought, okay, like, I want to go on this mission trip, but I just don't have time. I have all these other responsibilities. Well, if you learn to manage your time, that might be a possibility. Whatever it is, like, if you want to live out your calling well, if you want to love well, or for example, you have a friend who, who calls you up and they, they just want to hang out, they want to talk because something in life is going on, but you don't have time to do that because you're busy, is just, your, your schedule is just like crazy full. Right? You need to have that margin to actually love on people. 
right? So if you want to love well, you need to get control of your time. So the question is, are you going to do that? Are you going to take those practical steps, and there are many others you can talk about in your life group, are you going to take a deep look at the condition of your heart to see where you're at? Are you going to work on those things? Because I guarantee you that if you start to take this seriously as, as a real issue, not just something to check off your list or an app to buy, if you take a look at your heart when it comes to how you spend your time, you'll be freed up to make an impact for the Lord. All right, let's go ahead and pray. And Ben can come up. Father, I just thank you that you have prepared things in advance for us to do, God, that you have a calling on our lives, God, that you, um, you know what our week ahead of us holds. Lord, you know the things that we need to actually get done. Lord, you know the opportunities that are going to come our way. Lord, so I pray that we would just be uh, able um, to examine our hearts, Lord, to come before you and just be honest with you about the things that are consuming our time or the things that should be consuming our time. Lord, I pray that this week um, that our hearts would be turned towards you or that we'd be willing to do the things that you've called us to. God, just remove all the barriers that prevent us from doing those things. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.